scripture reading this morning is from three different passages that you can see in your bulletin. If you're turning in your Bible, you can mark a place for Deuteronomy 12 and then in Corinthians if you want to hold a place there. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 12, 1 through 15. These are the statutes and rules that you shall be careful to do in the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess served their gods, on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and burn their Asherim with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households and all that you undertake in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes, for you have not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance that the Lord your God is giving you. But when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and when he gives you rest from all your enemies around so that you live in safety, then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, and the contribution that you present, and all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male servants and your female servants, and the Levite that is within your towns, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. Take care that you do not offer your burnt offerings at any place that you see, but at the place that the Lord will choose in one of your tribes. There you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I am commanding you. However, you may slaughter and eat meat within any of your towns as much as you desire, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. The unclean and the clean may eat of it, as of the gazelle and as of the deer. 1 Corinthians 16 now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians 9. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. 
He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. And the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thank you, uh, Stacy. Um, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. Good morning to you. And um, let me tell you, Wednesday night, the root celebration, the testimonies, the time we shared together was incredible. Um, I'd like to spend more time with y'all sometimes. It's, it's great. Y'all okay. And um, it helps me see what God is doing. You know, even as a pastor of this church, sometimes you are looking at things at 30,000 feet. You're looking at the big picture. And it's hard to be grateful or see what God is doing when you're looking and you can see the big patches of things that are missing and then you look ahead and you can't really see what God is doing. And, um, and it's even harder to look back and, um, at what God has done. And those times like we had on Wednesday, some of these films we saw, some of the testimonies, it really has changed my ability to see things. It's changed my heart. And I feel grateful for what God is doing at Christ Central. I feel grateful and I believe that God is truly at work doing something incredible among you and um, through you. Um, and this Roots campaign is, is, is central to a lot of that. Um, so I just want to say thank you and be encouraged, people of God. Be encouraged. He's at work in your lives. Um, we begin a new sermon series today that will take us through the summer, all the way through. And, uh, well, how can I describe him? Minister Paul Major and uh, Director of Family and Youth Ministries, Connor Mooney, and our assistant pastor, Charles McKnight, will be helping in relief when I am away for summer, for vacation. Yeah, I take vacations. And um, other events that I'm going to be going to, like I go to General Assembly this year for our denomination. And... Um, they're going to help preach during those times um, through this series. In fact, Paul will be preaching next week as I'll be away. I'm going back home to the low country, kind of smell the marsh a little bit, get, you know, just feel like home again for a little bit, for a few days. And I've entitled this new sermon series, Explicit Lyrics of the Faith. And in this series, we'll explore... Basic Christian beliefs that an unbelieving world would see and accept as offensive, intolerable, incredulous, and possibly profane to our pluralistic world. What good news do we hold on to and are called to hold on to that gives Christianity and Christians and the church in a fallen world a bad name. Let me warn you ahead of time. Like they warn you when you download a song or album. These are just like I said. 
explicit lyrics of the faith, right? Not straight out of Compton. Huh? Okay. This is straight out of Scripture, right? And this sermon series is not a debate, but a disclosure. This is not a discussion. This is a declaration. In this series, I will seek to make no apology for what the Bible teaches and what we believe to be true and basic about our faith. Though I hope this series will lead to discussion and questioning and listening to each other and healthy debate and maybe even some soul searching for some of you Christians who thought you knew what you believed. And so I give you this first explicit lyric of the faith, which I purposely put on Roots Commitment Anniversary Sunday, right? So here you go. Give your money to the church. Give your money to the church. And in a city where the graveyard of PTL resides, and in a time in national media where a pastor has reportedly asked for a $65 million jet, while numerous other church leaders and with their buildings and their cars flaunt things and others, right, hide it behind a veneer of stock and bonds and modest car driving, aw shucks, I don't care about money, but they make bank in their retirement piety. I know this church and money thing is profane and stinks for much of the world. But it is still true. The Bible teaches and we believe that you, if you are a believer, should give your money to your church. When I say money, I mean as the scriptures represent in sheep and goat and bulls and grain and drink in the Old Testament, your cash through check, online, debit, square, your hard-earned, unbounceable, sufficiently funded, approved moolah. <laughs> Told you it was explicit. Hope that is clear. We are not talking about your interest or your volunteer hours or your well-intentioned and powerful and much used by God in another way, spiritual prayers and participation, but we are talking about that mean, mean green. A lot has, has been made about fair wages in the news for women, for fast food workers, for those who would earn minimum wage. But the point is that we should give people what they deserve based on their worth and work. Let me ask you a question that is going to get us to our main points. What wage, based on God's worth and work as creator, builder, sustainer, and then savior and redeemer of all life, dignity, and worth, would you give him? Let me answer the question. Everything and never enough, right? But, but God is merciful, and tells us in the Bible, he gives us in the Bible guidelines, not paying him for his work, because you can't remember, come up with a fair wage for God's divine services, but for his honorarium. 
It seems to start around 10% of our earnings on the regular and then goes up and down from there based on our real circumstances and church's needs at the time. And I'm, I'm not going to get all technical into that. We are not deep sea diving in this sermon, just snorkeling enough to see what's beneath this giving our money to the church thing. We have some sermons online, and our, you can go to your elders for direction, and we can talk about in Scripture how much should you give, and should it be before taxes and after taxes and all that stuff. But there are three things I want you to see explicitly from the Bible about giving your money to the church. First, give your money to your church because this is the place where God works. Secondly, these are the people for whom God works. And finally, this is how we can praise God for his work. All comes down to place people and praise for God's divine work. Now, not all of us have had this experience, but for those of you who have, have you ever been in another country and seen McDonald's? Right? Maybe you've even had people send pictures over from other countries, right? Hey, look, I'm in Japan, and they have a McDonald's. Wow! They have French fries in France. Gosh, I'm not doing good today, am I? And you see them eating a Big Mac, and they're like, see, special sauce, those unique fries over here, too. McDonald's is a special place. It's one of the most successful franchises ever because they do and deliver their food and all of their franchise in a way no other place, regardless of where Mickey D's is located, that no other place can or will do. The Bible is teaching that regardless of where or when the church was, even when it was a temple in the Old Testament, like we see in Deuteronomy here, God did his special and unique things with flavor and color and flair and devised franchise orthodoxy and presence in the temple and now church worship like he does no other place. Look with me at the Deuteronomy passage beginning at verse 4. It says here, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. Talking about the idolatrous way. But you shall what? Seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go. And there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, and the contribution that you, you, that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in your households and all that you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. And then drop down to verse 13. Take clear... Take care that you do not offer uh, your burnt offerings at any place that you see, but at the place that the Lord will choose in one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there shall you do all that I am commanding you. God is saying, bring your offerings. 
to this place. And then he says it in the New Testament through the Apostle Paul, who laid the foundation for the church we know today, which he himself laid on the foundation of the temple practices we just read about in Deuteronomy. But look at 1 Corinthians 16 passage, verses 1 through 3. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. What you see here is the money is being taken up by a church in a certain place through a church and at a church gathering to go to Jerusalem to eventually go to other churches. If you didn't know, now you know that there is a give to God spiritual portal on earth, right? Where you can take your money and basically hand it straight to the teller, if you will, for God and have it translated or exchanged to God-received currency. The church is your one-stop inner realm banking center where God has decided to swipe and scan our monetary gifts to him because the church is a special place among all different spaces and institutions all over the world where God actually does his work. But you know, in all the years I've been to a fast food restaurant like McDonald's, I've never actually handed my money to Ronald. <laughs> As in Ronald McDonald, he, they don't really show him much anymore. When I was coming up, it was all about Ronald. You, the Ronald and the Hamburglar and what the heck is Grimace? That's just scary. Your name is Grimace and you deal with kids? Hey, kids, Grimace is going to babysit you today. Have you ever paid Colonel Sanders for a three-piece, right? They don't even talk about Colonel Sanders too, more, too much anymore. Um, we won't talk about that. It's another sermon. Or have you ever paid Wendy for a burger? And when he was alive, has anyone ever gone to an Apple store and paid Steve Jobs in person or actually written a check to him at a Verizon store or, at, or Best Buy because you bought an Apple product? No, you haven't. Why? Because the head of the company, the one who delivers the patented credit for all good things we are and have, works through the people and spaces and things that distribute and handle his grace. Just like the heads of these companies, God has decided to distribute and manage and administer and minister himself through people, spaces, and things that must be cared for and paid and kept alive and right and work so that you as his people can conveniently, in a finite to divine way, come and get all that God has worked to give and get us. In the church, like the Old Testament temple, we give our money so that the people working and minister there can be paid and cared for and along with it so that there can be a space for ministry to happen and so that you can have the things you need to do the ministry like chairs and bulletin and by all means coffee, right? Not necessary, but useful can be bought and paid for and cared for. Look at the Deuteronomy passage at verse 12. 
and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters and your male servants and your female servants, since he, excuse me, and the Levite that is within your town, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. And then I, I think I wanted to put another Deuteronomy scripture, but I think it would have been too much. But you don't have this in your reading, so just hear me as I read it from chapter 14, which is two chapters after this one. It says this, At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. Now hear this. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. It is clear from this and other texts in the Bible about the temple and sacrifices and worship, that the priest, the Levites, those who work at the temple to minister and prepare and care for the temple for worship and then lead worship and take the stuff of God and sacrifice have made it their living to work for God and serve the relationship between God and his people in the place and purpose of worship. And they are called to make that living, their living off of what the people bring in tithes and offerings to take a portion of it to eat from and feed their families. And even the temple building itself provided a place for some of them to live in at the time. Let me make this short and sweet. Give your money to God's church because God has called me to make a living and you have called me to make a living off of being in ministry along with his staff with me and you want a place to come that is safe for your children and facilities that and facilitates God's ministry to you and it comes from and is paid for by you bringing and giving your money to the church I personally thank you for giving And I thank you for all, and I thank you for all you who enjoy and find and seek God in this space and in a way that he works like no other place through people who work and make their living no other place. So give your money to your church. But not only because God works in this place, but because God works for these people. Let me read the passage again that you don't have. It says this once again, at the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And then it says, and the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. And then look at verse 9 in 2 Corinthians passage that we have. It says, as it is written, he's distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Okay? So apparently in Old Testament, as I was looking at this, it's kind of confusing in some areas. I must admit, even, you know, I've been to, to school for all of this, and I read a lot of stuff, but it's still a little confusing. But apparently in the Old Testament, there could have been possibly three different kinds of tithes. Though we have made them one, 
right, in the modern day church, asking every week for the same reasons each of those three tithes were given and used in the Old Testament. But every third year of the tithe, it would be given towards those who didn't have money, who possibly couldn't tithe because they would be tithing off of nothing or were suffering in some way, like the aforementioned widows or orphans. And then in our Corinthians passage, a couple of things are possible in Paul's asking for money to be given to the church. On top of caring for the oppressed, right? The, the, the poor, like the widows and orphans, a natural disaster may have hit that left a number of people destitute, but it could have also been extreme persecution, where when people converted back then to Christianity, sometimes they would get fired from their jo jobs because they professed faith in Jesus. But there was a clear call to give your money to God's temple, to God's church, so that the people of God, people who he is divinely, he is divinely busy caring for, can actually be cared for. So give your money to God so that mercy and other needs can be met here. But there's something else here I want you to see that is clearer from the Deuteronomy passage, and less so in Corinthians. Money is given... So that the worship experience can be enjoyed by God's people, right? That the services and divine pleasures of God through the church can be at their disposal. Look at Deuteronomy uh, verse 5 again. It says, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your, your tithes and the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your freewill offerings, and, and, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And listen to verse 7. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households, and all that you undertake in which the Lord your God has blessed you with. The Thai stuff is designed to be part of their worship trip and money and time at the temple. Back in the day, God's people would go to the temple in Jerusalem like a pilgrimage from all over the nation for special religious festivals and feasts. And God is saying that the tithe brought to the Lord at his holy place can be used to feed you, to refresh you, to be enjoyed by you in the presence of God, in your worship relationship and time with God and others and your family at the feast and festivals that honor God. And it's the same for the church today. That, that whatever the church can responsibly afford, right? Like, like what actually comes in through the tithe and the offerings, that, that we use it to enjoy it in the worship of God, to aid in the worship of God and fellowshipping with each other with lighting and music and sound and chairs and tables and food and babysitting costs and coffee and comfy seats and a playground outside and all sorts of things that you, are free to come in here and use at your disposal, but not only things, but the ministry itself. 
to use to, to get help and ministry for you and your family and teaching and advice and prayer and for us to be open in the middle of the day to call on and, and have women's Bible studies here and come by and, and have lunch with us and, and with each other. And, and sometimes I'll pick the bill up, but I'm definitely going to pay for myself. So I can be with you, and then you can have youth ministry for your kids, and they can go on trips and have education and love for your children and, and, and sacraments like baptism today and Lord's Supper that you are giving to enjoy the benefits of worshiping God in this place as God's people. And membership has its privileges. Because God has an extra special invite to you who are his people to give and then to actually come and enjoy off of what you have given. To not just enjoy and worship God, but to be able to fellowship with each other. Can't help but think about that Christ Central Church grill off. Not because I'm entering the contest and I would win. Because I have to be, as the pastor, the objective judge. <laughs> Looking forward to that grill off. Y'all cook your best for God. <laughs> Don't hold back. Tender, juicy, flavorful for Jesus. It said, bring your best. I saw that in the scripture. That means extra sauce. And I know some of y'all out there think you're going to win. Y'all already bragging online. It's friendly competition. Friendly, delicious competition. But we're asking the competitors, right, make enough to feed about, you know, eight people. So everyone, we get it all together, can eat some. But we, the church, from your money that you give on Sunday, we gonna, it will help to pay for hot dogs and hamburgers and drinks and plates, right? So you can enjoy the festival, the feast of God's people gathered in fellowship. And I hope friendly grilling competition. Sign up now in June, right? But bottom line here, Give your money to your church because you and they and we are the people God works for and with and through. And he wants us to share all the good stuff that is his that we have given him back with us and with each other. And to care for those of his children who don't have as much. Why give your money to your church? Because y'all are special to God. And in verse 1 in chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians, he even calls us people who receive these gifts saints, sanctified, belonging to him through Jesus, right? So you saints, the people of God, and though you don't deserve it or earn it, he has shared it, right? He has given by us blessings through the church and ministry, and that stuff is yours to enjoy, and God loves it when you enjoy it. But give your money not only because God works for these people to care for and enjoy them and for us to enjoy him and each other, but give so he can change us. Now, this is definitely more evident again what giving your money to your church can do to change us in the Corinthian passages. Look at what the Apostle Paul, who is all about getting this cash from the Corinthian church, says here. Look at verse 6 in the 2 Corinthians passage. 
He says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And then jump down to verse um, 8, where I already am. Okay. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And then verse 9 says this, And it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And look at where the giving actually comes from in verse 13. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. In the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. It comes from the gospel, right? The gospel activates and is activated. The, the, the redemptive, life-changing ministry of God is activated and in action and practice when we give. We give our money to our church then because by it, God works to change. And through the change taking place in his people who give and are given to, God takes our giving. And somehow, as we give, according to how we give it, cheerfully, happily or not, with a clear heart, not trying to use it or manipulate it, giving like some sort of stock gift, giving so you can get the car you want or the house you want, or God's going to bless you and you've got this idea of how, how God's going to bless you. But he says, if we reap in the right heart, we will reap some things that we couldn't reap on our own. We talked about God's monetary interdimensional exchange of our money. Well, the apostle basically says that God is going to take this gift and use it for those who give and receive to the church to produce or reap, as verse 6 says, what kinds of things. Verse 8, grace and sufficient good works. And then in verse 10, when we sow, that is give our money to God's church as requested by him, to his, by his leaders, to his church, it will produce what? Righteousness and enrichment. That's spiritual enrichment and connection with God. And in verse 11 and 12, when we talk about thanksgiving and service, that the stuff we give as we give produces something different and change, some kind of change in our heart. Let me be dangerously loose here and risk sounding scandalous to make a point. <laughs> Might not be that scandalous. <laughs> the ministry you give to and for has spiritually powerful return according to God's divine interest rate. 
you give it, God produces all kinds of things. Righteousness, heart change, enrichment. That's our goal. That's the Lord's goal, which is hard to hear some of you. Because you have come from ministries that have taught you to give for selfish reasons. This is not giving for selfish reasons. This is not giving enough so you can manipulate God for your purposes. Right? To name it and claim it, to sow a seed, brother and sister. Right? And it's not sowing a seed for the ministry that God would do in your heart or do through your church as you fellowship one another. It's sowing a seed for your American dream. And God's not really interested in your American dream as much as he is in his divine purpose for your life. Don't get it twisted. I'm saying give the church your money, but I know I had to say that. Because, look, I've been in all kind of ministries, too, and boy, it just seemed like if you, it was like a pyramid scheme. Well, if you get in at a certain level, you know, you know, our God is so excited that you gave that much that he'll do whatever you want. That's like buying God. And if you can do that, that ain't no God. If you can manipulate God with the percentage of what you give, that ain't a God. I don't know what that is, but that's not God. We'll come back to that a little bit here in a minute. Um, but lest we miss probably the most important reason for and what goes into giving money to, to your church so we, can pr- so we can praise God, right? As the God above all things and out of our gratitude for his love. Look back at Deuteronomy, okay? Uh, look back at the way this passage starts out because this is very important for you guys to get. Kind of what I was just talking about. It says, these are the statutes and rules that you shall be careful to do in the land that your God, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess uh, serve their gods. On the high mountains, on the hills, and under every green tree, you shall tear down their altars and dash it in pieces, their pillars, and and burn their ashram with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There shall you go, and there shall you bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, and the contribution that you present, your vow offerings and your free will offerings and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. Now, it mentions breaking down the idols of the day. It's important because important when it comes to money and giving and offerings to God because apparently these idols wanted the same things God wanted to make people happy and, and prosperous and alive and all that, right? But with one huge difference, these small G gods, these idols were no gods at all. And secondly, these gods were never and not good to God's people and always led to their physical or emotional or moral or spiritual downfall. So God says, 
tear down their ask for money, right? Get rid of their call on your financial and sacrificial lives and give it to me out of recognition that I am truly the God of all things. That I am the God who has provided and will provide all things and should be the one you go to to provide and give you all things. God is saying give your money to the church because he alone deserves and has earned the praise from your money. Now we don't have idols built with wood and metal quite like they had back then. But we have idols that demand our money to give them credit and the cause for our prosperity and hopes. Now, I've already mentioned an idol, right? There is the idol of the religious formula. I've just talked about that. You give this, God's going to give you that. And then they give you the testimonies, you know, where I gave to God and I'm riding now, y'all, Right? But then there's the idol, right, of our savings plans and our investments and our political economic theory. And again, the American dream or our ability to manage our money or our business or our professional worth or our inheritances or our family name or our real estate or the stock market, bull and bear, right? Well, God is asking that we give first nod to and praise ultimately to him by giving your first to him. And your giving in turn is used by God to keep the wrong kind of idle thinking and heart in check to keep you praising him as the one who alone should be praised for and as the God over everything we do and do not have. And like we might use our voices and our hands and even our feet and even our words to say, he's God. The Bible is saying use your cash, your cards, your smartphone, your laptop, online automatic draft payment operations to praise the God of the Bible as Lord of and over all things. But giving as a clear praise of God as Lord of all things is only a beginning because the Bible is teaching we should praise God out of gratitude for his love. Look at verse 7. In the second Corinthians passage. Each one must give as he is decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And then drop down to verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from, from your confession of the gospel of Christ. The generosity of your contribution for them and for others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Oh my, so, so Paul switched it on us. First it started to talk about our giving. Now he's saying this is about God's giving. This is about God's inexpressible gift. Paul is saying to give your money to your church, not just for the real visible needs, but because you know and believe God loves you. 
And you want to thank him for his love through Christ Jesus. Every Christmas, we either go down to see my dad, Charleston, or he comes up to us. But most times, it seems like he's starting to come up to us for Christmas now since he's been a widower and, and two of his three sons and, and most of all but one of his all but one of his grandchildren live here. He'll come up to Charlotte for a day. What has become the annual after Christmas shopping spree at Target? And the grandkids can get whatever they want. Now I'm in there saying, don't ask for that. That costs too much. Do not ask for that. My dad, leave him alone. Let him ask. I know how to say no. I'm your daddy. And he likes to tell them, too, hey, I'm, I'm your daddy's daddy, okay? So don't listen to him while we're here today. I'm, what? <laughs> now, sometimes I try to get the kids to get something for me. <laughs> but, Daddy, I want the remote control car. Get the grill. <laughs> hey, Daddy, I want the grill gas grill over there. No, the other one. Oh, that one. <laughs> and we parents love it because we can plan to not have to get them something. So we'll say, hey, look, we're not getting you this gift this year. You better ask your granddaddy. It's great. <laughs> but he spends way more sometimes than we ever could. And all he asks for is a few hours of time, time to be given with his grandchildren to take them shopping. Much like verse 15 of Deuteronomy, ask his people to just give him 10% on and at the front end so they can reap, keep, and enjoy and get the 90% of all he has actually provided. Well, this past year, due to weather and other factors, my dad didn't come. And we didn't go down to see him. And we just missed each other. And if he had come, he would have gotten to spend that time and we would have given him a small thank you Christmas gift because you can't beat his giving. Like, what are we going to get dad? I don't know. Well, compared to what he gives us, I have no idea. Well, a month went by, my brothers and I received a short email from my dad that read something like this. My dad, he likes to put everything in jokes when he's serious, right? I guess the mail service must have delivered my card to another house oh. or lost it in the mail. Because I know that I've been a good father and grandfather. I know that y'all know that. And knowing that, I know that you would never neglect to just send me a Christmas card. Boy, I was embarrassed, humiliated. Because when your dad says stuff like that, your heart just sucks in. Because life, the life and love he has given that you can't afford to pay him back has been overlooked and unrecognized. A card, please. Hear this. He was hurt not because he needed or wanted a gift so badly. But gratitude for my dad is us praising him, which looks like this. Hear it carefully. It is recognized and showing that we felt and knew and believed that he loves us. And we felt that love by giving him just a small amount of what we could never, ever pay him back for to say, I see your love, Dad, for me and the grandchildren. We see it. 
and we see what you've done for us. We thank you. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. God asked for a very small amount of your time once a week on a Sabbath day, right? 10% to give you more than you could ever get yourself. But he gave you Christ. God came in the flesh and died for you and me. And he doesn't want you to try to prove something to him. You know what he wants? Like my dad. He wants to know that you know how much he loves you. He wants you to act and give like you know that he loves you in Christ Jesus. Give your money to your church for simply, thank you God, for simply enjoying us, loving being around us and visiting us. This is one way believers, Christians, God's children are asked to show him explicit love in an explicitly clear way. They, we, give our money to our church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For that inexpressible gift of Christ Jesus. Lord, if those, there are those of us here today who do not know and therefore cannot express that they know how much you love them, I pray that Christ, that you would come to them and that you would save them. I pray, Lord, that you would change hearts today because there are so many of us in here who are believers who have forgotten this explicit truth that is expressed in our giving. That God so loved us fallen and broken people that he sent his son Jesus to die for us that this God will be our Father and visit us over and over and never leave or forsake us. Lord, help us to know that and see that grace. And Lord, be cheerful in giving it back to you in thanksgiving, in offerings, in tithes, in money. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.